Hi, I'm Michael Siddle. And I'm Nick Nanos. And welcome to Trendline, a podcast about polling. We release new episodes every other week. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Uh, so Nick, the uh, trucker convoy uh, protests, or what authorities are calling an occupation now, I think we're at day 19, 20 maybe. Uh, uh, you're in Ottawa. What's it, what's it like today? Well, you know, Michael, I was, I was saying before, I'm, uh, our office is like a block from the House of Commons, so near Metcalf. So <laughs> I go outside. What do I see? Trucks, more trucks, lots of trucks. I see families. I see all of humanity. How's that? Why don't we mm. say in the... Uh, in the trucking convoy occupation protest, all of the above. And, uh, you know, like, let's face it. Uh, actually, one thing that I can say is that during the week, it's kind of like office hours, like eight to four. There's mm. not a lot of, uh, not, not as much activity. There's presence, but not as much activity. It's the weekend that's kind of like party time, like Friday people and Saturday morning people are streaming in downtown. Um, many, many of them families with children streaming in downtown to uh, to be part of the uh, part of the downtown activities that are led by the, uh, the the truckers so so yeah so more festive on the on the weekend than uh, during the week in the week it's kind of like office hours and then on the weekend it's like you know it's uh, a little more exuberant Why exuberant is the key word yeah, yeah. I, I saw some tweets from uh, Ottawa producer Mackenzie Gray I think he called it uh, one of Ottawa's hottest nightclubs or something that sort of shows up on the weekend. I mean, they've got, they had a DJ and everything. I'd like to say that as someone that is uh, friends and knows Mackenzie, I think there's a little bit of dripping sarcasm <laughs> yeah. and, and irony because that's, that's also yeah. a social commentary on Ottawa as a place. Yeah. So maybe right. Ottawa's not as boring as people thought. Maybe. But it's too bad that it's taken the, uh, the truckers thing mm. to put a spotlight on the city. That's the mm. sad part of all of this. Yeah. Well, we've seen some major uh, shows of force uh, this week from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to invoking the Emergencies Act for the first time in history and uh, police crackdowns at uh, the U.S.-Canada border. Uh, so we're going to take a look at the political cost to that for the Liberals and Conservatives. Uh, for our provincial check-in, we'll see how the premiers are divided on the uh, invocation of the Emergencies Act. And finally, uh, south of the border, a lot of the money supporting the trucker uh, protests seems to be coming from Americans. So, Nick, we'll take a look at the, the big picture. Uh, but first, yeah, back to Parliament Hill. Uh, as this drags on, uh, what's, the, what's the support numbers now for the Liberals and Conservatives? Well, you know, uh, before the protest, the NDP had a little bit of uh, wind in their sails. They were kind of moving up in the polls. But what's interesting is that in the latest nanos tracking uh, we basically have factoring the margin of error which is 3.1 percentage points 19 times out of 20 we have a statistical tie between the conservatives and the liberals 31.1 versus 30.6 both of those parties are up and actually the new democrats are down seven points uh, over in the last four weeks that are at, at around 16.9 percent blocks at around seven so they're up about one hmm. people's party at seven that's good for them. They're up uh, about 1.8 percentage points. So good news. But and they are numerically ahead of the Green Party. But I guess one way to look at it is there's the two front runners that are tied. There's the NDP that are firmly in third. And then uh, tied after that are the Bloc, the People's Party and the Green Party of Canada, basically within the margin of error. So looks like Jagmeet Singh was picking up some steam before this protest occupation 
And now there's been more focus on both the conservatives and the liberals, and both of those parties have seen their numbers move up, but still gripped in a tie between the two front-running parties. Oh, uh, we've still seen this sort of uh, shift in strategy, though, from the federal conservatives. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about that because, I mean, Aaron O'Toole, uh, now the former leader, uh, one could say maybe he uh, made an early exit because of uh, inner party turmoil over his strategy towards the trucker convoy. Now we've seen interim leader Candace Bergen, who was a very strong supporter, now sort of soften that stance. Uh, so what's, what's going on there? Course correction, Michael. It's a course mm. correction for the conservatives. You know, the thing is, it's pretty clear that the conservatives are divided. There are there are some members of caucus, um, such as uh, leadership hopeful Pierre Poiliev, uh, that have firmly embraced uh, the protest and all that it uh, represents. And there are others. And why don't we just put Aaron O'Toole in that uh, in that category because he's still a member of caucus and an important member of the Conservative Party who uh, are a little more reticent or cautious. Hmm. And what we saw at least was Candace Bergen, before she was leader, out for the, out for the selfies. I think she did take a couple selfies with, yep. uh, yep. with uh, some of the individuals in the protest occupation. Uh, but uh, now as the interim leader of the Conservative Party, she has to kind of represent everyone in the caucus and has had a bit of a course correction hmm. uh, where... Is this, maybe we say two steps forward, two steps back might be. Anyways, I don't know. Why don't we call it the, the Tory two-step where they went <laughs> in one like direction. Sounds like a good dance move. Like, you know, yeah. Aaron O'Toole tried to take them in one direction. They went back, another back. It looks like very similar to where they were before under mm. Aaron O'Toole. So uh, not cut and dry mm. uh, for the conservatives right now. Uh, Nick, you mentioned Pierre Polyev. He's considered to be a front runner in the uh, you know upcoming conservative leadership race uh, to permanent permanently, I suppose, replace Aaron O'Toole. Um, he was an, a really early supporter of uh, the convoy. Do, do you think that there's any uh, long lasting political impact if uh, to to his chances uh, or overall for the Conservative Party? Well, he's he's quite impressed the uh, the F word, um, hmm. Michael, right? The F. Oh yes, freedom, freedom. Not the other one. Not the other one. Freedom, yeah, right. Michael. I don't know where your mind is going to. We're not talking about. We're not talking about some of the slurs that are on flags related to the uh, mm. leader of the Liberal Party of Canada. We're mm. talking about freedom. Right. And you know, in his. Uh, why don't we call it blockbuster? Because he had a blockbuster video, lots of views mm. uh, of his video announcing the, the launch of his campaign and his vision, uh, if he were to be leader of the Conservative Party very much focused on freedom, very much aligned uh, with a lot of the sentiment mm -hmm. in the truckers protest. I think he, he's probably doing that for a number of reasons. It's probably a good way to raise money um, because, you know, this uh, protest occupation has been very good at raising money. They haven't been able, they haven't had very much luck getting the money, but yeah. they have had luck raising money. So, uh, so he's probably looking at that as a vehicle to raise money, mobilize support, get organized and to differentiate himself uh, from the direction that Aaron O'Toole, for example, want to go to. But this can cut both ways, uh, Michael, because that we don't know where this is going to end. We don't know whether it'll end well or whether it'll end peacefully or what will happen in the coming weeks with this uh, protest occupation that's mm -hmm. happening in Ottawa. So I think it could cut both ways. Uh, it could be an opportunity for, for him and his leadership. It could be a big risk if this goes sideways uh, and you know, something bad 
uh, happens, and he's seen as being too quick to embrace the uh, the protest occupation that's happening in Ottawa. I, it's also an assumption here, Nick, that uh, people involved in the trucker convoy uh, movement would would even vote for the federal conservatives. I mean, it it is a part of a larger populist movement, uh, which brings us to the People's Party of Canada. So how how are they doing now? Well, you know, like we mentioned when we were talking about the ballot support, they're at around 7% uh, nationally. But there's another measure that's actually quite critical. It's the proportion of Canadians that would consider or be open to voting for the People's Party of Canada. What we've seen historically for this party is that it's usually at around 10% of Canadians that would consider voting for them. Right now, it's at 16%. So what this protest occupation has done is put a spotlight on the People's Party. It hasn't converted a lot of new support, some, some new support, but not a boatload of new support, or when we say truckload, just to be tongue-in-cheek, not mm-hmm. a truckload of right. new support, but there's been a material increase in the proportion of Canadians that would consider voting for the People's Party. And I think if you're Maxime Bernier or a People's Party supporter or strategist, you're looking at this and saying, the first objective of that party, if they want to pick up more support, is to be on the political menu. What's clear is that over the last number of weeks, an increasing number of Canadians have put them on the political menu as an option. And this is where we're going to have to watch uh, Maxime Bernier and uh, what he does, because I think, is, is, he, uh, is he riding his own little convoy? Oh, I mean, I, I, I've been following his, uh, his uh, Twitter account and there's been, he's really uh, ramped up his, uh, his rhetoric on, on there. Uh, on, on maybe if people are watching this on YouTube, we'll show some of those tweets. Uh, but, but he's really kind of going for it, Nick, and, and to, a, to, a, to an extreme, uh, I, I suppose. Um, so I, I'm curious uh, also with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoking the uh, Emergencies Act, if, if this is going to sort of uh, further inflame the uh, populist supporters for the People's Party? Well, you know, the thing is, that's all they have to do is wait it out. Because, mm. first of all, it is uh, is quite something and, and uh, that uh, any prime minister would invoke the Emergency Act and the powers uh, that are there. So that is an exceptional situation. And sounds good. Always sounds good. Hey, you know what? It sounded good on the first day when uh, when when Doug Ford said that he was declaring a state of emergency. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the next thing that that people wait for is, OK, so what does this mean and how is anything different? Uh, I'll tell you one thing, you know, the feds introduced the Emergency Act. Nothing's happened downtown. It's exactly yeah. the same as it was the day before. And I'll tell you yesterday and I can just that's all I can speak to is what I see mm-hmm. yesterday. I saw lots of folks bringing gas up to refuel, you know, go past the cops in Ottawa and uh, bringing uh, gas tanks up to refuel trucks. So, you know, whatever uh, extra powers that uh, the federal government uh, put on the table for law enforcement to use, no change. And, you know, Mm. the thing is, is, is for the for the truckers, you know, their protest occupation, they just have to wait it out. And basically, they put a spotlight on the fact that nothing's changed; that there's just been talk, but no real, uh, no real significant action. And I think that's what this—that's—that's that's really the pain point right now uh, for Canadians that are upset at what they're seeing. There's been lots of talk from politicians at all levels of government, 
they're inter introducing all these things that they say that they could do, but specifically for the Ottawa protest occupation, nothing fundamentally has changed yet. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see whether something does change or whether there's some sort of action, but uh, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty quiet right now, at least uh, in the truckers protest. Well, uh, there's a there's a real political cost to this. Uh, we, we've seen Ottawa Police Chief uh, Peter Slowly uh, resign this week, um, and and he's just sort of the latest political casualty in a long list. I, I suppose we can add Air No Tool to that. Uh, Ottawa Mayor Jim Watson is facing a lot of uh, political heat. Um, am, am I missing anyone, Nick? It's kind of getting a lot to be a long well, list. Well, on our last podcast, we did declare that Air No Tool was the first political casualty, and uh, the ironic twist is that uh, you know the, the 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 truckers actually didn't want him to resign. They wanted Justin Trudeau to resign. They want to mm. get rid of him as one of their express objectives in their protest. Uh, but what we've seen is now the the chief of police of the city of Ottawa uh, as what I'll say officially casualty number two this week. Um, and uh, you know, and you know what, there will be more political casualties as as things happen. And you know, there's there's no sense on how this is going to end. Um, and as a result, I think it's it's risky. Uh, for everyone. And for we must say that for Jim Watson, Jim Watson is a long-serving uh, mayor of Ottawa, a former provincial uh, cabinet minister, mm -hmm. uh, a very successful politician. He's not running for re-election, but I think if he was running for re-election, I'd be a bit worried, but mm. he doesn't have to worry about that right now. He has to focus on his legacy because I think the last thing Jim Watson would want is to preside as mayor over a, a very successful period and then to finish off with uh, with the perception that he did not do a good job, probably in the biggest crisis in Ottawa, especially at the municipal level that we've seen in a generation. Hmm. Uh, Nick, not on that uh, long list of, of or growing list, I should say, political casualties is Ontario Premier Doug Ford. At least not yet. I mean, he's he's walked a really a fine line, you know, between invoking his own, uh, you know, state of emergency and and supporting uh, uh, workers, which brings us to our provincial check-in. The the premiers are really divided on this. Uh, so how how is uh, Doug Ford looking so far? I think Doug Ford uh, managed to to walk the the appropriate line uh, between kind of inflaming things, but still having a, a hard line against the. Uh, what he's uh, called the, uh, the illegal protest and occupation, especially uh, he was, uh, you know, the, the premier was very concerned about the ambassador bridge uh, and also the occupation protest in, in Ottawa. So on the one hand, he declared a province-wide state of emergency, beefed up the, beefed up the fines and the, uh, the potential financial fallout from, uh, from blocking or occupying uh, critical infrastructure hmm. in, the, in the province. But then on the other hand, what he did was he also didn't wait to uh, relax some of the uh, restrictions that are at the heart of this particular protest. So, and, you know, he could have been a little more, he could have been, you know, if he had more political pride, he could have kind of delayed things because he wouldn't want to say that he knuckled under to the, the truckers. Mm -hmm. But he basically said straight out that it would, he believed that it was the right thing to do, that despite the presence of the protest, these things were going to happen. So on the one hand, 
He's talked tough and put extra powers into the hands of uh, police to try to settle this. And then on the other hand, he's actually moved forward to relax things. And I think that's uh, that kind of pragmatic approach is probably the best right now because the last thing that anybody really wants are dogmatic politicians uh, who are worried about saving face. Mm. And what we saw from Doug Ford was, I believe, a pragmatic balance. So I don't think he's a political casualty and he's not on the radar as a political casualty unless something else new happens. And on the other side of the Emergencies Act uh, support, we've got, uh, well, a, a lot of premiers, uh, especially Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, Saskatchewan Premier uh, Scott Moe, and uh, Quebec Premier Francois Legault. Yeah, well, for all of them, they basically say that it's not needed and that it's a bit heavy handed. But, you know, let's face it, Michael, uh, what the federal government did in terms of the Emergency Act was specifically to help Ontario. And Doug Ford is one premier that was open to any extra powers that could help put this protest slash occupation to rest and get it under control. So, and it looked like at least that Justin Trudeau was very careful to say that these powers exist, but they won't necessarily be used or need to be used right across the country, that uh, they're fairly targeted. So, and I think uh, code for that was to Doug Ford in Ontario, you have everything that the federal government has at its disposable, disposal in terms of legislation and powers to do what public safety officers and experts think need to be done in order to control and put to rest this protest occupation. Uh, Nick, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to look at uh, how much money supporting the uh, U.S. Uh, or the trucker convoy protest is coming from uh, the United States. Uh, Nick, so there's uh, reports this week that some of the money uh, raised on, on crowdfunding, crowdfunding sites uh, for the Canadian uh, uh, trucker convoy protest slash occupation have come from uh, Americans. Uh, and we've also seen former U.S. President Donald Trump really come out swinging against Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He even called him a, a far left lunatic. I, th I think that was those were the exact words. Um, so what's the big picture here and, and, and how are the liberal governments uh, dealing with this? You know, I think as someone that uh, follows and watches as an analyst of U.S. politics, uh, you know, for Justin Trudeau, uh, until he gets some kind of derogatory nickname from Donald Trump, uh, which obviously Donald Trump, you know, like he'd have those rustling type nicknames where he'd kind of diminish his opponents. Right. Um, he hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't come to that point, at least for, for Justin Trudeau, he's probably trying to think of something clever, but um, what we're seeing at least is some sort of uh, funding. Um, how much is yet to be determined or known, but some of the funding, and it looks like a, a noticeable proportion of the funding is coming from the U S and, you know what, Michael, this is the sleeper issue to watch. And I think what we're probably going to see, and this could actually turn things uh, on the uh, occupation protest, especially in Ottawa, uh, where if, uh, if the government discovers that a very significant proportion of the money uh, is actually coming from outside of Canada, that uh, the government, and it'll look like the protest is actually being supported and funded by foreigners, hmm. right? 
and uh, and I would I would expect and wouldn't be surprised to see the liberals if this ends up being the case, trying to recharacterize the protesters as being pawns or controlled or influenced by foreign money. And, you know, you have to remember, Michael, you know, in our election act, it's actually against the law for any foreign country actor to fund uh, or be directly involved in elections in our democratic process. And this is probably, this is probably how the liberals are hoping to frame this, and especially the they've received some flack on using the Emergency Act, right, mm-hmm. from some civil liberties organizations and from and from a number of premiers. But I think if we end up finding out that uh, you know a lot of the money uh, that was intended to support the uh, the truckers' protest occupation actually comes from foreign sources, that would be. I would believe, and I'm not an expert, but I would believe, at least from a public debate point of view, a valid reason to invoke the act, the Emergency mm. Act, because it's about foreigners interfering in Canadian democracy. So this is a this is a sleeper issue, and this could be a this could be a communications risk for the protest, mm. because uh, you know it's one thing to have a domestic homegrown movement that is funded by Canadians for a political end. And you know what? That's part of our democracy. It's another thing uh, to have foreigners funding protests in Canada. So hmm. follow the money. How about that, Michael? We got to follow the money. And uh, and the other the, the other thing about this is, who would have thought that Canada would be a world leader in trucking protests? <laughs> like, you know, be yeah. like, congratulations, Canada, for being in the world news and being the first with a, a really big, major anti-vax trucking protest, because now we're seeing talk about something potentially happening in the United States, mm-hmm. and Europe and stuff like that. So uh, but I'm not sure this is the type of trailblazing that Canadians need because it's not good for the Canadian brand writ large, mm. especially the disruption at the border. This the border disruption, I believe, was a tactical mistake by the trucking protest because it escalated the importance. It put jobs at risk. And I don't think Canadians really have a major objection to democratic, peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. But once factories start to close or could close, it's kind of like that's just too far. So uh, for the truckers, uh, I think uh, it's kind of like cutting off your nose to spite your face, especially since they're reliant on that binational relationship mm-hmm. and the, the this good flow of, of, of goods across that ambassador bridge. Uh, we also had that report at the, the U.S.-Canada border in southern Alberta of, uh, of uh, weapons seized uh, in, in one of the vehicles, um, which uh, that was right before Prime Minister Justin Schill invoked the Emergencies Act. And, and that seemed to uh, scare off some of the the fellow protesters there. That there was, you know, um, they were there for peaceful reasons, uh, and this sort of took it to to a, a very scary uh, level. Which, yeah, yeah, and you know, the thing is, is that there's there are also reports of uh, a large shipment a transport truck that was stolen that had uh, firearms, and no one knows where that is. Hmm. And uh, you know, part of the part of the challenge here is that uh, there's information, misinformation, and disinformation. You know, one of the, weird, one of the weirdest things that I saw happen was when uh, Mayor of Ottawa, Jim Watson, 
was engaging with the uh, protest occupiers with the help of the uh, former chief of staff to the premier of mm-hmm. Ontario to try to manage things. And they came to an agreement. There was stuff that was said where, you know, even that some of the trucking protesters said, oh, that's fake news. That's not real. There's no agreement. Yeah. So, you know, part yeah. of the problem in kind of uh, for the trucking protest is that the people in the protest might not even believe things that are real related to what the people that are leading the protest are doing because they're so suspicious of the media mm-hmm. and uh, so cynical in terms of, uh, of, of the mainstream media also. Hmm. Uh, one thing I'm curious about, Nick, is, is we're seeing a lot of American flags uh, and Canadian flags uh, amongst the, the, the trucker protesters in Ottawa. Um, they're, they're, they're very proud of this sort of binational movement as they see it, that, that it's, it's a wider, you, you know, U S populist movement uh, that includes Canada and the United States. Um, um, do you, do you see a lot of connections there? Do you think, do you think, um, that this is part of a, a bigger movement that, that will be better organized, I, I suppose, going forward? I, I actually, I think this, uh, this truckers protest occupation, uh, was much more organized than many of the public authorities thought that they were. You know, mm-hmm. l- like, let's face it, you know, just the logistics of getting the fuel to all these trucks is significant mm-hmm. and, uh, and requires uh, a certain level of organization. And, you know, we might make fun of the fact that there's bouncy castles, hot tubs, and bales of hay yeah. for kids to, uh, for, you know, for kids to jump on. But the, the reality is, is that logistically, this truckers protest is very organized from a communications point of view. It's very organized and, uh, and disciplined. And I think the reality is, is that there is a certain proportion of Canadians that actually support Donald Trump and uh, agree with him on a lot of things. Hmm. And, and, you know, so it, it shouldn't really be surprised that not only do they uh, proudly support the Canadian flag, but they also proudly... Uh, support the uh, or hoist the, uh, the American flag because that they know that there are Americans that feel the same way that uh, some Canadians feel about vaccinations and mandates and the restrictions that are in place. Hmm. Uh, Nick, fascinating stuff as, as always. I think we should uh, leave it there. Uh, thanks everyone for listening and watching and you can find a new episode uh, two weeks from now. Mm-hmm.